Well, this is our second message in uh, our series called Extra Grace Required. And today we're going to be looking at needy people. And I'm not talking about just those who are in need of a handout or those who are the poor. We're not, I'm not talking about them. You know, Jesus uh, has made it clear that we are supposed to have hearts for the poor. They were supposed to have hearts for those who are uh, needy in, in that sense. But there are some people that are just extremely needy. I don't know how else to say it. Uh, they are, can, they can become like if you have some in a group, they can become like emotional black holes in the group. Like if you have either a Sunday school class or a Bible study or a prayer group, the whole class, the whole group can be consumed with their problems and nobody else can have a chance sometimes with the wrong person, with an extra grace required person in the midst. They're going to be the focus and they can suck the life right out of a group. And so uh, uh, the way that this came about, call them extra grace required, was uh, whenever I was a counselor and I was, uh, 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 I would run across this. And then I, I went and I took a course and this guy in this course mentioned these people like I'm talking about, that they need more than the support group can provide. They need extra grace. And so he called those people EGRs, extra grace required. And so that's why we're even calling this series extra grace required. And we're looking at four different kinds of what you might call difficult people or problem people or people that you're going to uh, run across in life, people that you will have in your families. And so this is why we're looking at this. And just I just off the top of my head, I can think of five different types. And there are many different variations and combinations of this. There are the incurably insecure. They're just all the time. Oh, did I, did I, did I offend you? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, five minutes later, are we okay? You know, they're just, they're, they're just uh, extremely insecure and always concerned that people are thinking well of them all the time. Then there are the drama queens and the drama kings. I have one granddaughter that she was almost born going, oh, like this, you know. <laughs> Little forehead, back of the hand to the forehead, and just break down. Oh man, such a drama queen! And uh, uh, there, but there are those that uh, that that's just that's they they just anything, everything that happens to them is much bigger. You stub your toe, you go, oh man, you know, kind of walk it out. They stub their toe. It's ice packs. It's you know, we may have to go to the doctor. You know, it's just. Anyway, drama queens, drama kings, they're around. Then there are the blabbers. They just talk all the time. And uh, I'll just let that go at that. Then there's uh, kind of a, a cross between the drama queens and the blabbers that I would call the spotlight hogs. 
They just have to be the center of attention. And they may be getting that center of attention through drama, or they may be getting that center of attention through just talking and dominating the conversation. But they are spotlight hogs or attention uh, junkies, you know, I guess you might call them. Anyway, they just always, if the center of attention in the conversation goes to somebody else, they're going to get it back. There are those. And then there are the financial freeloaders. I don't even need to give you examples of them. You know them. They're in your, you, you got them around. So the thing is, there are these people that are needy. And let's face it, what they really need more than anything else is for the love of God to be just shed abroad in their hearts. And that will cover all their insecurities it will fill that God-shaped hole that they've been trying to fill with attention and uh, with different things. And he can make them complete. But because they are incomplete, they're trying to get their worth from other sources. They're trying to be sure that you value them. But they need Jesus. That's what they need more than anything else. And so... As we were, well, we'll get into this a little bit later. The thing is, until they come to know him and his fullness and have that God-shaped hole just filled with him, they're going to be needy. And until then, you're going to have to deal with them. And so that's what I want to talk to you. Because you see, there's a tension. And Jesus faced this tension himself. And so we can look to him for some guidance in Matthew, the ninth chapter, the 36th verse, we see that Jesus has he's been going around healing and he's been teaching and he looks out and he says, and it says, when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. He was moved with compassion. And that word there is the uh, Greek word splagnon. And it means to just have a deep sympathy or inward affection, a tender mercy. His heart just went out with all that he had to these people. And yet, when he was here on the face of this earth, the need was greater than he could meet as a human being walking in the Holy Spirit even. He couldn't handle all the need that was there. And he recognized his own limitations. The Son of God had limitations because, you see, he had emptied himself of his deity uh, as far as his, the power that he had when he was in heaven. It says that he emptied himself and took on the form of a man. And it was through the power of the Holy Spirit that he worked and that he lived and he moved in this world. And so there wasn't enough of Jesus to go around. That's why he said later before he went to heaven, it's expedient that I go away so the helper can come because the helper wouldn't be bound by the humanity that Jesus was bound by at that time. So here he is, he's moved 
and it's more than he can handle. And so he says, the field is white for the harvest. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out workers into the field. If Jesus recognized his limitations, don't you think you ought to recognize yours? And that's part of the tension is there's not enough of you to go around. There's not enough of you to meet all the needs of one person, really. There's no way. And so we have to kind of look to Jesus for our example. Let's face it, Jesus cared more than anyone who has ever lived, and yet he didn't heal everyone or grant every request. Um, the tension winds up being, and part of what we have to learn how to do in this tension is learn how to help without enabling. Um, you need to, first of all, offer what they need and not what they want. We uh, read the story today of, uh, G of uh, Peter and John going to the temple, and here was a guy asking for alms. He was asking for money. And Peter didn't have any money. I don't know how many times I've had people come to me as their pastor and uh, they needed something and they th or they thought they needed something that I didn't have and I couldn't give them. But it's amazing how as I would open my heart and my life up to the Lord and just say, Lord, what can I do for this person? What would you have me do for this person? It's incredible how the Lord would wind up working through me to supply their needs. I remember one time a guy, I may have already shared this story with you, but it makes the point. A guy came into my office. He was despondent because he had drunk up all of the college savings for his daughter. And there was no more money in her college fund. And she was getting ready. He wasn't paying for her uh a meal ticket or anything, and she was getting ready to go in to pay for her meal with her meal ticket at college, and they were going to say, it's not valid anymore. And everything, his wife had no idea. He didn't know what to do. Well, what could you do? I mean, he had drunk up $10,000. Uh, I didn't have $10,000 to spare to throw into his daughter's college kitty. But as I prayerfully just started going through the motions, he needed somehow for his daughter to go through school. He needed to get right with his wife, who was probably going to kill him when she found out what he'd done. You know, uh, he had a lot of need, more need than I could meet. But the first thing I did, I got on the phone and uh, talked to the people in the financial office. And uh, they said, yeah, we can work this out. Put him on the phone. They had all that taken care of in about 15 minutes to where they were going to be able to take care of her daughter, their daughter going through school. Then he got his wife to come in with him for counseling. And she came in. <laughs> And she was not a happy camper, but they work things out and they're still together. And their other little daughter went through school and everything was fine. 
There's nothing I and of myself could have done in that situation. But as I trusted the Lord and just followed his leading, everything worked out. And so it is many times we'll find out, but see what he, he didn't even know what he needed. A lot of times people, they know what they need. And uh, for you to tell them that they need something else can make them angry. And so uh, there's this tension when you want to help, but uh, uh, maybe there's not enough in you to help them, or maybe you don't have the, the resources in and of yourself, or maybe they're asking for the wrong thing. You offer what they need and not what they want. Peter said to this guy, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And he grabbed the man by the hand and he lifted him up. That's the first time we see somebody giving somebody a hand up instead of a hand out. Have you ever noticed that? So uh, here he is. And Jesus, in the power, in his, through his name, this man was healed. Peter didn't have it in and of himself to heal that man, but as he availed himself to the direction and the power of the Lord. The Lord had something better in store for him than, uh, the, than what uh, the man thought that he needed. And so, uh, and so how do you do that when you get to uh, uh, offer them what they need instead of giving them what they need instead of what they want? First, identify the real need. Figure out what then prayerfully find out what the real need is. And then next, pay attention to actions, not words. People can give you a line. Let's face it. Um, so they may come in and say, I just can't find a job. As you watch their actions, what their actions are going to say is, I'm not looking for a job. Or their actions are saying, you may know there are jobs available. And you may discover that all the jobs that are available, they believe are beneath them. So it's not that they couldn't get a job. It's just they want the jobs that they could have. So that's one thing. Identify the real need. Pay attention to actions, not words. I just can't get anybody to go out with me. Nobody will date me. That's what they say. And then as you look at their actions, you discover that they have not showered, shaved, brush their teeth, or use deodorant for a month. <laughs> so what they need is not somebody to go out. They need to get clean. You know, I mean, anyway, so you can see there's a difference. Uh, pay attention to actions, not words. And that can help you find out how to start really helping someone. Another thing is so important, and that is set healthy boundaries. If you notice that Jesus did this, says in uh, Mark, the first chapter, the 35th through the 37th verses, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Master, everyone is looking for you. And they were trying to pull him back into the throng that was wanting 
healing and wholeness from him at the moment. And you know what he told them? He told them, it's time for us to move on. Let's get in the boat and go across the lake here because I've got a message I've got to get out. You see, his limitations, he also had time limitations. He had only so much time to get done what he needed to do. And the most important thing for him to do was spread the message of the good news that the kingdom of God was at hand to as many people as he possibly could. His main mission was to spread that message and then to fulfill it by dying on the cross. He had a certain amount of time to get this done in. He did not have eternity uh, while he was in the human flesh. He had so much time. You see, he recognized his limitations. And as he looked at his limitations, he had to figure out what he could do and couldn't do. And even though he loved all these people and wished he could just go around and heal every one of them, he had to move on. The healing was to confirm the message. The point was the message, not the healing. And this is something that we get backwards a lot of times, isn't it? We think that the point is the helping, not the message. So much so that sometimes we leave the message out altogether. And yet it's the message that can bring the transforming power of the living Christ into people's lives and they can be changed where we could never change them. Set healthy boundaries, time boundaries, resource boundaries. Harry Callahan in Dirty Harry said it very, very well. A man's got to know his limitations. Once you know your limitations, you can set your priorities and you can determine what you can do and can't do. Time boundaries. Jesus only had so much time. You only have so much time. And if somebody's taking up all your time, you have to start drawing lines. You have to say, knowing you see this person coming, you know, and sometimes you'll get to where you know they're going to want you for the rest of the day. And you may have to tell them, you know, I, I only have about 15 minutes right now. What can I do for you? And then when that 15 minutes is up, Move on to whatever else is, is that you have to get done. Um, also, resource boundaries. Somebody may be wanting a lot of money. And you say, well, I'll tell you what. I can handle, say, $100 a month for three months. And then that, that's all I can do. You have to set boundaries. Okay. And then this is the toughest part, people allow them to face their consequences. It says in Galatians 6, 7 through 8, don't be misled. Remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. In some versions that reads, God is not mocked. You will always reap what you sow. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful desires will harvest the consequences of decay and death. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. They have to, after a while, you have to, if they can't, you, you try to get, help them out. You try to give them a boost. 
But after a while, if it's, you see it's because of their poor choices and they're going to keep on going back to those poor choices, you have to just let them go. The prodigal son, his father is a good example of that. He let his son go. He made poor choices. And whenever he got to the where he had bottomed out, there in that pig pen where the hog slop was starting to look good to him, when he bottomed out, that is when he came to his senses. Do you see that? As he was reaping what he sowed, he came to his senses and decided that his dad's ways weren't so bad. And he went back home. You have to let people reap the consequences. I remember not long ago, some friends of ours, their grown son wound up doing something really, really silly and wound up in jail. And he was wanting them to come bail him out in the middle of the night, 150 miles away. They let him stay there through the night. They didn't just run down there and get him out. They let him reap what he sowed. And uh, so anyway, Jesus and the rich young ruler. This, see, this, and this is another good example for us when it comes to our kids. The rich young ruler runs up and he says, Master, what must I do to have eternal life? And then Jesus explained to him what he needed to do. And the last thing was sell all you have, give it to the poor and come follow me. And then the rich young ruler made a choice. And Jesus respected his choice. The rich young ruler chose his riches over Jesus. He turned sorrowful and went away. And Jesus didn't run after him. Jesus didn't yell at him. Jesus didn't try to convince him. He had given him the information that he needed. And then he respected that young man's right to make a wrong choice. I think it's really weird that we're like this with our, our kids. You know, we want to make them do right so bad. And yet I would not want anybody making my choices for me. And I've made a lot of choices that I should not have made. And uh, the thing is, is that uh, if I reserve the right to make my own choices, don't you think we ought to respect the right of others to make their choices too? You give them information. And then after they have the information, then you let them make the decision. It's hard, but you have to let them reap what they sow from the decisions that they make. And let's face it, you're not going to be able to make them be and do the way you want them to be. Another thing about this is that so many times we can hinder the Holy Spirit by trying too hard to keep our kids and to keep loved ones out of trouble. Whereas whenever we let go and just start loving them for who and what they are and leave room for the Holy Spirit to speak to their heart, the Holy Spirit can get through, it seems like, a lot easier whenever a kid's not reacting in rebellion. As long as they've got, as you're pushing them and they're feeling pressure from you, they're going to dig their little donkey heels in and show you they don't have to do that. But if the pressure's off, then what do I do now? They can be preoccupied with resisting and rebelling. And when there's no one or nothing to resist or rebel, it's amazing 
how your kids can just rise like cream to the top. It's amazing. But so many times we have to let go and let God with these problem people. But trust that just as the Holy Spirit spoke to you and got your attention in the midst of all of your bad decisions, he can speak to them and get through to them. So just pray and get out of the way. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.